Mama said, son, listen to me. That girl is T-R-O-U-B-L-E. So watch out, I know you love her, but she's not your friend. She'll only be there long as you got money to spend. Life can be kind of hard on a man. You're gonna need a good Hi everyone, this is Harrison Goodale, co-founder of Sustain Music and Nature, and welcome to another episode of Songscapes. In case you haven't figured it out by now, the song you're listening to is Good Strong Woman from the legendary Keb Moe and Darius Rucker. After being in the scene for over four decades, Keb isn't slowing down, both in his musical collaborations and his involvement in social and environmental movements. Charles Coplin and Keb Moe kick off the conversation today by exploring the relationship between conservation messaging and songwriting. Um, yes, so uh, activism, I think, or awareness of our environment is a part of everyone's life these days. You know, it's like we're all looking at it now. We just had this um, the G20 and, you know, we saw on the news and I couldn't help but, but, but witness the chilling, the chilly responses the united states seems to be getting there the g20 you know feeling and rightfully so you know because as a country we can't be trusted you know in terms of you know are we there where you know what are we doing this year what are we doing next year Um, sad but true yeah um so um that that being said the way i think of, of, of activism I don't know. It's just something that's on my mind all the time. I'm aware of it, you know, and I've aligned myself with the uh, Plastic Plastic Pollutions Coalition, you know, in that sense, as a supporter. Uh, but, you know, it's like, once again, like even, even Plastic Pollutions Coalition, it's, a, it's like a flea on an elephant's back, you know. It's just kind of like this thing is moving so fast and so hard. You know, with plastics, I mean, everything was more and more plastics all the time. You can't avoid it. And you just feel like, wow, it's, you just can't do anything about it. And the, um, the, um, you're driving your car around, like you drive your car, it's fossil fuel. You know, you light up your stove, it's gas. You know, we're constantly just in this thing. So a long time ago, I wrote a song called, uh, my, on my first album called uh, Victims of Comfort, you know, and uh, how, like, we're just, we're caught up in the, uh, you know, it just says, like, and it's really got for now, it's like, you know, no rocket's going to fly that high. You know, there's no escaping. The enemy is you and I. Mm-hmm. So that's to say, like, okay, let's say um, some forward-thinking person or backwards, whatever, whatever, thinks we're going to go find a new planet, you know, and inhabit that. We've worn this one out like we do everything. We wore this planet out. Let's go find another one. And what are we going to do? You know, wear that one out too. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's 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 not about it's about us as people and how we operate within the on the planet. So uh, recycling, uh, all things, um, uh, you know, all things uh, uh, to do with. Uh, um, conservation and the planet and all these things, all these things are are uh, caught up caught up between commerce and, and our, our way of life. You know, we like our electricity. 
using it right now. We're sitting here on this computer. We're talking to each other. Yeah. And we can't we can't get out of it. We're just stuck in it. And um, it's going to take a cataclysmic something to stop it. It's almost like it can't stop. You can't. It's gone so so fast and so furious. You can't stop it. You know. Um, we're trying to change to sustainable, sustainable, you know, forms of energy, but even that has its problem. Is there enough sustainable energy to sustain a planet of this population size? So the the, the change is going to, have to be so drastic. I'm not sure we can get out of it. Uh, I wrote a I read a book about 20 years ago um, by Thomas Harmon called the the Last Hours of Saint Ancient Sun Sunlight. You know, where like one of the products, maybe books like the way it addresses. The fact that um, we could we could change it around, we could change it, um, but it probably we probably won't. You know, we we just don't have we've shown so far we don't have the ability to change it. I'm kind of doomy and gloomy. This is not myself. This is not. I'm, I'm going. Who is this guy talking right now? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I was going to say because you always you strike me as an optimistic person, and and you're I being am, very pragmatic. But I, I am optimistic, but at the same time. Um, I'm going to keep it's real optimistic, but when I look at the, when I do the math and look at what's going on, I'm, I don't see it. I don't see the stop. All I see is something really bad happening. And then certain people wake up, people start grabbing for what they can get and what they need. And we're going to survival mode. There's all kind of uh, anarchy and, uh, you know, and pandemonium. And there you have it. You know, something big happens. And then, then people go, oh, it was real. Oh, my God. They were right. <laughs> All right. So like, yeah, everything you're saying, unfortunately, is true. Yeah. But you keep on singing and you keep on spreading the message. So there's got to be a little bit in you that thinks we can make a difference. Like you haven't really thrown in the towel yet. I have so. not, thrown, I have not okay. thrown in the towel. I'm not going to I'm not going to succumb to like I think, I think Reverend Mike, my friend Reverend Michael Beckwith, he always says. Don't confuse me with the facts. You know. <laughs> you know yeah, because I think, you know, it's look, I don't want to come on sort of naive and some kind of unrealistic 60s hippie ideal, but I do think you're spreading the message. The message yeah. hopefully carries on to younger generations. I mean, we got really no choice but to keep fighting the good fight, and that's what you're doing yeah. with songs like so that. that. So that's one song. Even after writing the song, even writing a song and thinking like, well, this, we're going to talk about recycling. And then I get a, a call from uh, Deanne Cohen, you know, Deanna Cohen, she goes like, yeah, but, and at the same week I go down to do my recycling because I live in Tennessee and, you know, recycling is not as popular in other places as, you know, Tennessee. So I take my, like my good California boy, I take my recycling down to the recycling place and, and they say, well, you can't. We're not recycling that kind of plastic anymore. You know the bottles, the, the ones you got, and now it's getting bigger. And the fact of the matter, they probably haven't been. There's a big pile of plastic somewhere. There's plastic in the ocean. There's a big pile of, you know, China just stopped taking the plastic. Now we're sending it to I think we're Taiwan or somewhere, and and there's not enough room for all the plastic that we've made. Like. It's, all the plastic that was ever made is still on the planet, you know, somewhere. Right, let, let so us... anyway, no, 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 let's go. Let's go forward. Let's go positive. <laughs> okay. 
So I, I'm going to pivot. I'm not avoiding the topic. We'll we'll come back to it, I'm sure. But I want to pivot because your new single, Good Strong Woman, is um, is sort of a duet with Darius Rucker. And you've collaborated with so many people. I mean, the list is endless. Robert Randolph, Roseanne Cash, Lyle Lovett, the aforementioned Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you approach your music differently when you know you're collaborating as opposed to when you're just doing something on your own. And I recognize when you're doing something on your own, you're still working with other musicians, but is there a different sort of approach musically when you know you're going to be working with, with different artists? Well, when I'm collaborating, that factor is factored in. Yes. For instance, like um, put a woman in charge, you know, that song, you know, there needed to be a woman in there. I need help, you know? Obviously, these, yes. These big subjects, you know, like that, like plastics and and these huge inequities that, that we need, we need help. Um, so I, 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 I choose, I the guests that I have are there to enhance the cause, you know, to help kind of help because I feel like they're, they're lined up with it. Um, don't throw it away. I made, I made the song fun, you know, because it's a serious subject. It's a very serious subject. And so I made it fun to catch people, maybe catch kids and thinking. And then out of that came the children's book, you know, don't throw it away and mm-hmm. there. And, and it maybe has a little bit of effect. So, but I look at what I do as, just a little thing in there. Even if I was, even if I was a Bruce Springsteen, that that kind of like swagger, you know, that kind of like you know power to people, it's still just nothing comparison to to the plastics and the, and the you know oil industry. You know, it's once again, it's just a bigger. It's not not gnat on an elephant. It's not a flea. It's just a little something a little bigger, maybe a bee or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yes, and, no, and, no. So and I look for are, Go ahead. When you're collaborating with others, obviously they're kindred spirits in fighting the good fight, whether it's for feminism or whether it's for sustainability or whatever. I'm curious, though, with these collaborations, because I find them so fascinating and you do them so often and so well. Do you initiate, like, do you do you sort of get in your head, oh, Darius would be great for this song or or... I got to call my friend Robert Randolph for this song. Do they approach you? Is it sort of a, how does that happen? How do these, how do these things happen? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll share two with you. Robert Randolph, you know, let's talk, start with him on Oklahoma. That was, um, I was working on Oklahoma and Oklahoma is about, that's a social justice song. I don't know if you, you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a song about Oklahoma, but, it's I wanted to combine. I didn't want to just focus on the the bad parts. I wanted to encompass Oklahoma as a state and Oklahoma as a metaphor for the United States and the world. You know, so the first verses go like, you know, like I can see the spirit, feel the spirit lifting me up, inspirational, taking me higher. I can never get enough of Oklahoma, you know. Then I started including cowboys and Choctaws, you know, Oklahoma, you know, you know, Chickasaws and outlaws. You know, I can feel the sunshine sweeping through the plain. 
you know, Jesus on the mainland, religion, you know, devil stay away, rain or shine, tornadoes, you know, Oklahoma's going to be okay. You know, so there, you know, and I do another kind of verse like that. So I'm trying, I'm, I'm attempting to encompass all that is good and all that is challenging about our world. You know, then I say, okay. And then when I get to the bridge and, and I and I go to um, the second was I, I start with meet me at the rodeo, you know, saddle me up, <laughs> you know, Oklahoma. We're going to let everybody know that when the going gets rough, we get tough. That's the whole world in Oklahoma. And then, then I, then I, and then the bridge, I approach the atrocity of Black Wall Street in the 20s. You know, and, but I don't jump in there and go like, oh, by the way, you know, <laughs> this happens like over on Greenwood, Archer and Pine was the name of that neighborhood. Lives an elevated state of mind. That was a, a community of prosperity and people coming 60 years out of slavery and they became very prosperous. Not, not just, not only by their own uh, cleverness, but by the circumstance of exclusion you know they were excluded from being on the on the white part of town so just by default the dollar and they start having their own shops their own merchants their own stuff their own and then and the dollar went around that community 30 times <laughs> you know and so I, they became i might have this wrong and we don't need to go down this road because i'd rather stay with you but I think wasn't the recent Watchmen remake on HBO? Didn't that tie in? I think that whole storyline in in terms of yeah, Tulsa. Maybe, yeah. yeah, Tulsa, yeah. But you said two yeah. stories. I don't want to interrupt your first story, but you said you had two uh, things you wanted to share about collaboration. So I just want to oh yeah back. yeah yeah well, collaboration having Robert Randolph. Anyway, that song was that song was like something I didn't know what to do with. You know, was, I had no like, idea of a song called Oklahoma. You know, it's been a, it's been a big, you know, Broadway song for many years. Um, so I was I co-wrote it with a lady named. Uh, my my mind's starting to get foggy. You know, I think my I think my senior years are, are up on me. Uh, Dara Tucker, Dara Tucker, we wrote the song together. Who is from Oklahoma, and uh, the events that led to Robert Randolph being on the record were very organic. I was working on a, producing a record for G Love, you know. And so G-Love had called Robert to do this thing on his record. So simultaneously, I was starting to work on mine. And I said, you know, I got this idea called Oklahoma. I, said, I got him right here. There he is. He's sitting right there. That's the way it happens. <laughs> you know? Hey, why don't you just throw that? It was a demo. I said, just throw something on this one. Just play on the end. And, I'll just... and he um, started playing on the end. And I played him the song. He's like, oh, man, that's cool. And he just went into this gospel moan on the on the on the on the lap steel and it was like oh my god <laughs> yeah he can play he can play that's it and that that's why i put the song on the record because of him and i went and the next day i called some guy okay let's finish it and we put everybody else on it so he was the first one to go on it and uh so he made it legit you know and so that way so i i it was it kind of did that 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 song wanted to be and it wanted him to be on it so i think of the songs as ent entities Roseanne Cash on Put a Woman in Charge. I called a friend because I didn't know who to call. I mean, I didn't know who do you put on there. I don't, you know, I just, and you know, when you call someone, a lot of times you have to, you don't get to talk with them. You have to talk with their manager, you know, and then I'm, I mean, I'm kind of in the moment. 
So I called my friend Ed Zimmerman in New York, who's a music aficionado, who's an attorney. I said, you know anybody that would be good for this song? And I sent him like a rough of it. He said, call Roseanne. I want to call Roseanne. She's right here in New York. You know, I called her, you know, and, and within a day she had done it since then. It was, it was spontaneous, you know, it was like in the moment. So, and um, Taj Mahal, Taj Mahal was here the day we wrote the song. We're in there writing it. So he was my manager and his manager and him were meeting in another room in the house about something else. And I was here with uh, Chip Eston, you know, the actor, you know, Charles Eston, uh, Colin Linden, and myself were writing this song in the room. And then uh, I said, Carl, I said, Taj, what you doing? Why don't you come? Because he plays bass. A lot of people don't know Taj plays the bass. <laughs> you know? So we should play bass on this. So we played the bass and we all sat around the room. Taj had the mandolin going and we had, we just, we just sat and did it right there. And Taj went out there and did it. And he went out there and did the stuff. <laughs> and he just added that extra bit of, you know, of, of humor and, and, and accessibility that it needed to make it not heavy, you know, because like, I have a, as you can see from talking to me, I do have a heavy heart about these things. Life's gonna be just a little bit slower. Stay with us. More from Ked Mo, Charles Copeland after the break. Ever wonder why conservation messaging has such a hard time reaching people? So did we, and that's why we started Sustain Music in Nature. We take a celebratory approach, showcasing the beauty of public lands through music. Music reaches everyone. Our mission is to make music a force for nature. When you watch one of our National Park music videos or attend a concert out on the trails, our goal is for you to be inspired to enjoy and support these at-risk areas. Public lands belong to all of us, and music is the perfect way to bring this message to everyone. Consider a one-time donation or join our Patreon to help us create exciting programs and musical collaborations that celebrate and protect public lands for all. You can make music a force for nature. Learn more at sustainmusicandnature.org. Welcome back, and you are listening to Songscapes. In the first half of the episode, we heard about some of Keb Moe's collaborations and his passion for the environment. So now, Charles Copland and Keb Moe explore some of the techniques used to turn activism into music. Well, it, it, it's interesting to me, because there's two questions that I, I wanted to ask you um, about songwriting, and I'm going to kind of ask you both at the same time, because I think what you're talking about uh, leads to these questions. You, you have a quote that says, songwriting is where I like to take a moment in time and glue it together to other moments in time. And I also read that you don't like to put your sad or angry music to minor chords. 
Yeah. So I'm curious <laughs> about your songwriting I'll, approach. I was, about, excuse me, I was just about to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting you out that easy. Oh, man, you caught me. You busted me. <laughs> this is all I'm stuff never, you say. This is on the record. Yeah, yeah but nobody ever hears it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, so I was I was curious about your songwriting approach as it relates to lyrically the way you sort of paced moments in time from different, you know, when you were talking mm-hmm. about Oklahoma, uh, it struck me that, that these are, you know, we've been talking a lot now about everything from sort of the early 20th century to, to present day in terms of the, the, the difficult position we have found ourselves in as a species. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you're setting this to music and you're choosing these very profound lyrics and you're, you're merging different historical aspects and then you're setting it to music where you're trying to stay away from minor chords, which is <laughs> kind of the opposite about the way people usually do when they're trying to get people to emote a more yeah. sad or angry. So I, I was, I was hoping you, you could talk a little bit about well, that. Yeah, well, I think, I think, I think the minor chord is the, the go-to chord. That's the, you know what I mean? When you, when things are going awry, that's where you go to, you go to the, the minor, you know, and you stay there. And usually, kind of sometimes it's just one or two chords. And I've done that before. I went to the minor, you know, but um, I think uh, making it so it's inviting. I think the major chord, the chord is more inviting. Have you? Did you hear my record? My new record? I just heard the single. Oh, well, I got a record. I got a song in there called Louder. Yeah, I wanted you to talk about the new record too. I was going to get to yeah. that. So you just go for it. I got I got my probably my one of my 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 favorite environmental political statements on it's called louder and it's um uh, it's it's based on our, our little girl Greta you know I tried to get yeah. inside her you know and just kind of you know something that maybe she could use you know what I mean if she ever heard it and, you know what I mean and I wanted something that to talk to young people. It starts out, the first words of the song goes like, young people are, are talking. You know I mean, you know, they want action and they want it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and so, and, and then it goes, of course, it goes, it goes, it goes, and it's going to get louder. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's going to get crazy. You know, the young, this young generation is not going to take this shit. You know what I mean? Is what I'm saying. But at the same time, I grew up in the 60s and we had a young generation that didn't take that shit. But what happened to them? <laughs> you know? Life. Yeah, capitalism. Yeah. yeah. Life, life got real. They started having kids. They started needing health care. They started wanting to buy a house. You know, they started, you know, moving out of San Francisco and out of California and here that and uh, you know, Greenwich Village and all the places where you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. This is a little different. Yeah. I'd like to think because now, no matter what your political beliefs are, we're still talking about your kids and their kids and all that. But to your point earlier, that doesn't always seem to resonate with people who are denying yeah. what's going on. Did you so, did you set that song to a major key? Yeah. Cool. That's from the new album, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. not out yet. It comes out yeah. first of next year. Do, do I have that right? Uh, yeah, January 21st. Yeah, 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 I'm excited about that. Yeah, where's my phone? Let's see. Hang on. 
Let me see if I got a... Hey, Kelly! Oh, shit. <laughs> anyway, I'll send it to you. All right, cool. Yeah, I'd love to hear no, it. We'll I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about something about you that I think is so fascinating. It took 20 years for you to step to the front of the stage, to, to go from being, not that you're still not Kevin Moore, but yeah. to sort of take on that Kevmo persona. And, and I read that the sort of key to you doing this was kind of surrendering to be the best Kevin you could be. And I wondered yeah. if you could talk a little bit about how, take us back to that time in your life where you just had that epiphany of, wait a minute here. It's time to pivot from being sort of in the background to being up front. And then also what you meant by surrendering to be the best Kevin you could be. Okay. Well, surrender is a key word. It wasn't necessarily about stepping to the front. It was about not giving up for me. You know I mean, it was like I had reached a point, you know, I had a four-year-old son. Um, I had... Um, I had pretty much gotten every opportunity to succeed, you know, opportunity. Opportunities always come, you know, like they say, like operate, preparation and opportunity, that's, that's the recipe for success. So, and I always kind of just never was quite prepared enough, you know, when the opportunity came, you know, and I got lots of them. I still get lots, of, even after I stepped out in front, I still got lots of opportunities where sometimes I fell, fell short of, you know, didn't. So. Um, I, 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 I was about to give up and I just went back and started going back over my life. It's like looking at like the death of my musical dream. And I started, my life flashed before me, you know, and I saw all those things. I just realized that the only things that had ever happened to me that were good in my life were wrapped around music. You know, I never got a job and someone saw promise in me and so on to you know, give me a, a leg up and, you know, like I just never had a, you know what I mean? It never happened. But music always kind of was nice, was kind to me. Maybe I wasn't a success, but music always was kind to me. It filled my soul. It just, I love it. You know, I wasn't that, necessarily that good at it. So I just had a little talk with God. <laughs> so, so, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever, whatever that is, you know? I said, okay. Um, I must be, I must have a purpose on this planet. I must be here for a reason because in nature, and this, this is what we're talking about, nature, in nature, things that aren't um, have any value anymore start to rot and go back into the earth. You know, so it's like a, a death. You know what I mean? It's like literally nature will take you out when you have no more purpose. You know, you're, if you're a tree, you see them, you're going to forest. Certain, some trees just don't survive. Why? We don't know. And so I thought to myself, well, I'm 40 years old. I'm 39, 40 years old. I still feel good. I'm healthy. I'm still hopeful. So, um, and I had read a lot of books <laughs> about metaphysics and nature and especially like with Gary Zukav who's combined science with yeah, yeah. physics and prosperity. And I've like read that, his know? stuff. Yep. You know, so, and I, I'm sitting there with all this in mind. I'm going, okay, what do we do now? 
and I decided to keep going. I decided that I had failed this far and what's another 20 years of failing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've done this far. And I realized I live in America. Poverty is not going to kill me. You know what I thought was, you know, I can do this. So I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to play the blues. And uh, I'm going to take whatever gigs I got. I'm going to play that and, and see where it goes. You know, and if I end up on a skid row, you know, downtown homeless in a box. Okay. You know, since it was a sense of surrender and letting go of all fear of failure. You know, just brought it on. What's what, what's the worst? What's the worst? And I looked at it. Piece of cake. Let's go. Wow. There's a lot of people that are <laughs> glad you made that decision. And I, I know I know you're glad you made that decision. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I'm curious because you mentioned the blues and you're such an eclectic artist. You know, you, you cross genres. I know Taj is a big influence on you. I know James Taylor is a big influence on you. Mm -hmm. And, um, even though you sort of are so steeped in the blues, you live in Nashville, you've got a lot of country in you. Do you look at rock and roll, blues, country, do you look at them as specific genres or in your musical mind, do they just sort of cross over? Do, do you not sort of say, well, I'm doing country now, I'm doing blues. Do you just kind of see it as one giant synthesis of style? Um. Yeah, I see I see it as like American music that came from the farmland, from the heartland, you know, the music that came from because it all came from out of everything, even classical music is based on folk songs that have been around for years and years and centuries. And the people have been seeing like a like a song like Amazing Grace, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh so and I look at it like depending on the social um, conditions of whatever's going on, the music went a certain way. You know, when I went and started studying the blues, and the further back I went, and one thing that really was very telling for me when I started seeing the old Alan Lomax things and those old people that he was like recording, especially the older ones, you know, they were old back then when he was out there. And I'm like, they all sound the same, you know? And then I heard Gene Autry's blues. He had a, put a blues album out. Gene Autry, the cowboy on the yeah. white horse, from, you know what I mean? Who ended up owning you know, sports teams and very wealthy man. The Angels, was steep, I think. Was, yeah, the Angels was steeped in the blues. You know? And when you listen to George Jones, you know, Ralph Stanley, to me it's like listening to Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters at the same time. It's a different version. I, I hear that same soul Ralph Stanley that I hear in, in Aretha Franklin, you know? Yeah. And so what I see is all of a sudden, if I look at country today, a country at any time or the blues or rock and roll at any time, I see the social conditions that made it sound like that. Like Pat Boone doing all the Little Richards records. Mm -hmm. you know? People wanted to hear those songs, but they didn't want to go see Little Richard. <laughs> So well, then they were missing something. Yes, they were. <laughs> they missed the whole thing. <laughs> but but that was that was out of the social conditions of the time and, yeah. the, and the place in the country. So that's that's how I see it. I don't see it as you know, um, uh, 
Because coming to the South, you know, uh, living in Nashville, you're close enough. And not, Nashville's not the South to me, but it's close enough where you're close enough and, and you meet enough people from like every, anywhere from Indiana to down in Georgia, down in Florida, down in Alabama, Texas, to come to Nashville to seek their fame and fortune in country or country songwriting or whatever, you know? Yep. And you find this, there's this like, you know, like, you know, all you got to do is hang out with Vince Gill for one day, you know, and you go, you just go like, this music has no color, you know? Yeah. Or no parameters. It has no no parameters. No parameters. How, speaking of all these cities, you, you know, you're everywhere now. Um, you're going to be coming to us in January in New York. I know you're going to Europe. How does it feel post-COVID to be back on the road again? It must feel amazing. Oh, it feels good. Yeah, it feels good. What feels what, what makes it feel good is the time off away from it, step back from it and get some perspective on it and where it fits in your life. Now when I go out, I'm not, no one's anxious. We're, we're not anxious to go out on long tours anymore. You know, we don't want to be gone from home. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. We all, we all, we all, the, I, I use the term pandemic positive and everybody's got them. And I think one of the positives is just feeling really good about being home. Really. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want, we don't want to go out. So, so when I go out, it's great, but I'm, I'm you like being having, having to get back home too. Yeah. 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 You know? And I, I just love that. I, I'm curious. You, you've got a long, long way to go. You're a young 70, um, but your legacy, if, if somebody were to talk to you about your legacy, are you comfortable talking about how you would like people to view you in terms of your career and, and the influence you've had on the world? Because, I mean, you've, you've influenced so many people, not just in terms of your music, but your lyrics, your activism, sort of. When people think of of Kebmo, what 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 do you want them to think about? Um, well, well, as a living Kebmo, the living Kebmo wants the same thing that the dead Kebmo wants. You know, which is I want I want people to hear the songs and have a smile on their face and be happy about it. You know. And I want to—I want to be looked on as like I did something positive. I don't need—I don't need to be a legend or a big old, you know, whatever. Dead is dead. You know what I mean? Let other people come along and and, and light maybe light a fire on other people and go like, you know, you know how Kevin Mo did that thing where he like, you know, kind of would try to light everything up a little bit the way Louis Armstrong did with his, his life. You know what I mean? Yep. Louis Armstrong lit the world. He just lit the world up. You know. And um, so in my life and in my demise, whatever that is, whenever that is, about 102, something like that, I'm thinking. You know? That's good. I'd like <laughs> you to go a little longer than that, but well, that's well, good. I like being there. I have a little, you know. Uh, so. Um, I'm going to take the over. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the over. Uh, I would like to just be, you know, when people think about this, let's put some camera on that they have, that they still feel like listening to it. You know, oh, of course, without a doubt, all, you know, uh, I asked all my guests this question. Uh, I guess it's two questions. You can either answer both or at least give me one. When you 
think of nature, is there a song that it could be your song or it could be somebody else's song, but is there a song that you, you sort of think about? And then also, is there a moment you remember or, or several moments, whatever, just being out in nature, like a, a public land moment that just, you always kind of your go-to in your mind? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a song, a uh, song, um, it would be, it'd have to be like, I mean, I just mentioned Louis Armstrong, a what a wonderful world. I mean, to me, that's just, yeah, that song and Louis Armstrong singing it was like lightning in a bottle, you know? Um, and uh, when I think of something in nature, something out in nature, I mean, I, um, there's two places I'm really just um, really taken by. I mean, there's a lot of places, but the one that comes to my most is, is, is the Sequoia Forest, the giant sequoias in California, Northern California. You know, just being being standing next to a tree that's like, you know, was here around the time of Jesus. <laughs> you know, the, the general ground, a big a tree, a plant. You look at. It's like a building, you know, it's a plant, you know, this thing is living and growing and, and there. And so, and then the, kind of like the, that place you go through, through in Utah where all the rocks are red and Yeah, yellow. Bryce. Bryce, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's just amazing. It's amazing. And, and also uh, Rocky Mountains in the fall. Yep. You know, it's right there, it's really. And, right, it's and, a- and, and, and the other one, I know yes for one is Niagara Falls. Two. Niagara Falls on the Canada side. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Not it's on beautiful. the rivers, on the on the Canadian side. Keb Mo has been making music a force for nature long before Sustain was started. He's got a new album out called Good to Be which you can order at kebmo.com, along with a national tour. So make sure you check out the schedule to catch a live show in 2022. Songscapes is a production of Sustain Music and Nature. As always, if you like this program, give us a follow, write a review, and consider supporting our programs with a donation at sustainmusicandnature.org or join our Patreon. And speaking of, we wanted to give a special shout out to our Patreon supporters for helping us make this program possible. So a big thanks to Tyler Campbell, Diana Zweigart, Mike Fahey, Cynthia Reeves, Melanie McCormick, Katie McLelland, Cindy Mortensen, Ken and Debbie Goodale, Winston Stillwell, Dennis Most, Kyle James Hauser, Carol Benson, and Jesse Elliott. Thanks for listening, and until next time, see you out on the trail. Everybody's doing the best that they can